Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 579th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Red Bull News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the entire game here in the United States. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have any questions for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my abilities. And ladies and gentlemen, very soon, tomorrow night, Tuesday, March the 21st, we get ready for the opening round of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, the 2023 edition of the Cup. It is so wonderful to have that tournament back. It is so brilliant to have that tournament return. And here we go again to see what clubs from the amateurs to the professionals, the national leagues, the top dogs, the middle dogs, the underdogs, who will be the new storylines, who will be the new cup setters, the giant killers, for this tournament edition of the U.S. Open Cup. Sacramento Republic, the first club since the Charleston Battery to reach the final, but of course, the only club to have won the U.S. Open Cup and defeat an MLS side, sadly, now officially no longer alive the Rochester Raging Rhinos. And when you think about the journeys and the fun that we are about to have, these are the games that you know you're going to have a lot of fun. Because just as much as you know that I know, this is the wild, wild west. Whether you're in the east, in the north, in the south, northwest, southwest, southeast, northeast, in the heartland of the country, these are the games that you tune in for, you get glued to. And you go out and you'll wonder whether it's your side that's going to be doing the punishing or will it be a lower level side that will do the punishing for you. And when I say that, I mean you're going to see games where it's going to explode, going to be a lot of fun. I am so excited. I am so happy. We are going to have ourselves a hell of an open cup. Because all I can tell you is this. The impossible, the unimaginable, the battles the hunger, the sheer willingness to reach the next round is all we've been asking for, to be entertained, to enjoy these moments, the feeling of watching David take out a Goliath. 
and it's all going to get underway this Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, on the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd of March in the U.S. Open Cup. Bleach Report will be showing some of the games through their YouTube website uh, section on YouTube. And it looks like some of the other clubs that have YouTube accounts will be streaming their games live as well, whoever are the hosts. This is where, this is where I am happy. This is where you actually get some popcorn You get something to drink. Might as well call in a pizza. Head on over to Chipotle. Head on over to Salad Works. Panera. Bubba Coos Burritos. McDonald's. Burger King. Wendy's. Heck. Head on over to your local takeout Chinese place. Get yourself a meal. Sit back. Relax. And enjoy the chaos and the carnage. This is going to be the best thing you'll ever see when it comes to these U.S. Open Cup tournament games. You will be enjoying yourselves. And always make sure you are in front of your computer screens whether it be on your regular desktop computers or on your laptops. And make sure you create your own four-way split screens when we get ready for these Open Cup matches, and it's going to be spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Let me give you the schedule once again. The lone match to start it all off will be on Tuesday night, March 21st at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Westchester United will take on Ocean City Nor'easters of USL League 2, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Live, also seen on Bleach Report, either on their app or on YouTube. And then on Wednesday, March the 22nd, El Ferralito of the MPSL will be hosting Inter-San Francisco, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific at the On Loan College Soccer Field in Fremont, California. And as I understand it, it will be a doubleheader at... The Olone College Soccer Field in Fremont, California, because at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, Project 510 of USL2 will host Crossfire Premier of the MPSL. But the first match at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time between El Farolito and Inter San Francisco will be live on Bleach Report. And then on the next matches at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Appalachian FC will take on North Carolina Fusion under 23s at 7 Eastern, also live on Bleach Report. Manhattan SC will host FC Motown on Marillac Field at the College of Mount St. Vincent in the Bronx. Club De Leon B will take on Nona FC at Austin Tyndall Sports Complex in Kissimmee. Live on Bleach Report, Chicago House will take on the Bavarian United at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, live on Bleacher Report. Beeman United will take on Des Moines Menace at 8 Eastern. Tulsa Athletic hosting the Brazos Valley Cavalry FC 
at Hicks Park, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 Central. Also will be on scene on YouTube. UDA Soccer hosts Park City Red Wolves USL 2 at 9 p.m. Eastern, hosted on YouTube. And then, of course, Ventura County Fusion hosting Capo FC at the Ventura County Sportsplex, live on Bleach Report, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. And then on Thursday, March the 23rd, the final three matches, Cleveland SC hosting Lions Bridge FC. Jacksonville Armada will be hosting Miami United at 7 p.m. Eastern at the Hodges Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. You can see that both on YouTube and Twitch. And then Hartford City hosting Lansdowne Yonkers, New York at the Trinity Health Stadium at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Bleacher Report. This is exciting. And it's not just the Open Cup that we're going to be excited about. This is a great week of soccer in CONCACAF as well. Not just involving our clubs here in America, but for the U.S. men's national team as they will finish up CONCACAF Nations League group stage matches and see where they will finish up, not just to qualify for the CONCACAF Gold Cup this upcoming June, but to see who will be going into the semifinals and final of the 2022-23 edition of the CONCACAF Nations League, who will finish first in their respective groups to play at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. We are heading back, CONCACAF returning to Vegas for another big confederational championship final. Not just a final. Excuse me. Excuse me. Not just the final, the semifinals, the third place match, and the final of the 2022-23 CONCACAF Nations League. So far, Vegas, SoFi Stadium in Englewood, California, just outside of Los Angeles. We have ourselves some exciting days and exciting times for American soccer. Don't forget to join me here on the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show this coming Friday night for post-match 10 Eastern, 7, uh, 10, 7 Pacific. And then on Monday, post-match again for the U.S. Men's National Team for Nations League. And then on Tuesday, excuse me, <coughs> U.S. Open Cup Round 1 Review. So this Friday night, the United States on the road against Grenada to play their fifth of six group stage games in the CONCACAF Nations League. That will be seen live on TNT, Spanish on Universal. Monday, next Monday, post-match. USA hosting El Salvador at Explora Stadium in Orlando, Florida. Also, once again, on TNT and Universal. Post-match. And then on Tuesday night, U.S. Open Cup Round 1 Review. This, my friends, is going to be some exciting stuff, club-wise, national team-wise. And we're going to review it all. And for those of you that listen to this program who are Red Bull supporters, Wednesday afternoon will be the recap show for the latest league match involving the New York Rebels and Charlotte FC. So, this is going to be another fun week of American soccer talk. Another fun week discussing the game in this country at the club level, at the national team level. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I know I cannot wait. Ladies and gentlemen, i got a great show for you tonight. Joining me right now, this gentleman, you've heard him already two weeks ago. He's back on again as we preview these final group stage matches in all three leagues of the 2022-23 CONCACAF Nations League. From PodCACAF, the world of CONCACAF podcast. 
Jonathan Slape joins me once again to talk about this wonderful thing. Jonathan, good evening, and how are you tonight? Uh, good evening. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. It's going to be another fun night to talk about CONCACAF stuff, as always. And Jonathan, uh, today, CONCACAF announcing that the semifinals and the final of the CONCACAF Nations League, this current edition, will be back in Viva Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Yes, back in the, the spiritual home of CONCACAF Nations League, as uh, we like to refer to it. Absolutely. And uh, just make sure you spend half the money at the tables and you keep the other half when you go home. Definitely. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get started here with this uh, uh, preview for these final group stage matches for this upcoming week. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, all CONCACAF, uh, excuse me, Nations League matches Outside the U.S. men's national team, which will be seen on TNT, obviously the Mexican national team, you'll see it probably on TUDN through Univision. Uh, But Paramount Plus, if you go to their website or their app, all the games will be seen there. Just check your uh, Paramount Plus app for the times and which date those games are going to be played and should be a lot of fun. Let's go right now to League C here, Jonathan, if we can already know. Uh, Group C and D have already been filled for the preliminary spots. Uh, St. Lucia, Puerto Rico have qualified. But now we look at uh, Groups A and B, and, you know, for me, Group A may seem cut and dry, but... Something wacky could happen here that could knock off Bonaire. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the chance that there could be knockoff there, but I think one of the things to note is so Bonaire is, will be playing their first home game ever um, when they play uh, Turks and Caicos on, on March 28th. They've previously been playing neutral site games, um, but they will be at home uh, for the first time. Uh, during that. So, I mean, I think that will give them the boost. They do have to play St. Martin on the 25th um, in St. Martin. If they, they get that win, that that takes them to eight points, which is two behind Bonaire. And Bonaire would just need to at least get a draw um, for their match against Turks and Caicos. Um, I'm really expecting Bonaire to hold, hold on to this, um, but St. Martin could make this interesting. Now, I agree with you that a draw is possible. And look, we all know Turks and Caicos has already been eliminated. They don't have, no matter what they do in these next two games, it's going to be difficult for them to try and force their way in. But when I see U.S. Virgin Islands, you know, in my mind, they're going to need two big wins. And the hope is that St. Martin, um, they do get a loss in one of these games. And also, Bonaire loses both these games, which I agree with you. I don't think that could happen, but it would get interesting if U.S. Virgin Islands pulls a major upset from somewhere out of left field. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that would be – it would be a huge upset, um, and, and it's definitely a possibility. We've seen a lot, in, especially in League C, um, anything can happen in these games. Very true. Very true, and that's going to be interesting. Now, obviously, that's the only uh, group in League C that has four sides. The rest have been basically three. Group B has Aruba, who currently uh, four points with a plus two on the differential. St. Kitts and Neves in second place with four points as well, but a plus one on the differential. And St. Martin, uh, two points with a minus three. Uh, For St. Kitts... This is, you know, they have the two matches remaining, and to me, this is their time to shine. We've seen St. Kitts be considered uh, one of the favorites to become a better side growing out of the Caribbean to maybe one day hopefully dominate the Caribbean, but they've had their ups and downs like the rest, haven't they? Yeah, and they've had their ups and downs. We, I mean, we saw in the early rounds of World Cup qualifying, they did really well. They ended up falling in the knockout rounds. Um, to get into the octagonal. Um, it's really been feast or famine for this team, but I think, you know, with them sitting there on four points, uh, the only team that hasn't played, that has two games to play and not one, 
I really think they're going to be set up. Um, I mean, I think it would take a pretty major, um, you know, on their side for them not to be the team uh, that finishes top of Group B. Now, if I can ask you this, obviously St. Kitts facing St. Martin first on the 23rd, which will be on Thursday, and then depending on what that result is, you know, the big clash will be at home against Aruba. And to me, that would probably be a bigger upset if St. Kitts draws with St. Martin and then it's all up for grabs against Aruba. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that would be – if they get the draw against uh, St. Martin, if, they're, if St. Martin is able to hold them to the draw – um, I mean, that definitely that puts it into play for Aruba, but I think that um, – I mean, it, it was a draw uh, when the, these two teams last played each other, but I really think St. Kitts is uh, geared up, ready to come out and uh, get that uh, qualification – get that uh, promotion and uh, preliminary qualification for Gold Cup playoffs. I just want to go to St. Lucia in Puerto Rico, first to St. Lucia, of course. Um, you know, that's a big deal for them to at least – knock on the door to get into the preliminaries for the Gold Cup. How important was that for them to basically dominate, even though it's only been their first two matches after both Dominica and Angula uh, were knocking each other silly until they had to face St. Lucia, who took over the top of the group stage and advanced to the preliminaries for the Gold Cup? I mean, I think for 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 Puerto Rico, I mean, this is something that they've been you know going toward for quite a while. Uh, I mean, this is something mm-hmm. they've been striving for, and I think this is kind of a culmination of you know them taking the next step up, uh, really, and and you know the growth of uh, the national team down there in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I agree with you there. And let me also say ask this about Puerto Rico. I think you know as well as I do. We know that Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, they are known m- more for baseball than football, soccer, to see what the Dominican Republic has done so far with their under-20s reaching not just the under-20 World Cup this coming May, but reaching their first Olympics through soccer next summer. And what Puerto Rico is doing now, of course, winning this group and advancing to the Gold Cup preliminaries. You have to say the sport is really getting, is really growing up quickly on those two islands. Yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, it, it is, uh, it's great to see. I mean, I think this is one of the benefits we've seen uh, that we knew was going to happen with Nations League, too, uh, is that we were going to see a lot of these nations start to take a step forward, you know, having more uh, meaningful games and having more competitive fixtures. Very true, very true. All right, so let's move on now to Group B, uh, excuse me, League B, and we start off with Group A in uh League B, we have Cuba currently tied on points with Guadalupe. Uh, They both have nine points, but Cuba leads with a plus six, Guadalupe with a plus two. Antigua and Barbuda at the moment with six points uh, with a minus two uh, differential. And Barbados basically eliminated, will be relegated to League C for the next tournament with a minus six on the differential. I think yeah, I mean, what we see here um, – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, I think this group is, is interesting. I think one of the things to, to take into mind is this is Guadalupe's first back into uh, competitive matches within CONCACAF after uh, they got suspended. Um, and Antigua and Barbuda has been a, a team that is, you know, we've seen make to the, you know, latter stages of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying in the past, but going through a bit of a um, transition at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really down to Cuba and Guadalupe here. Uh, I would probably give it the edge, um, to Cuba, uh, but, um, you know, there's, it's really anybody's, uh, especially considering the fact that Cuba does does have to play Barbados. Now I have to ask you this because the way that the scheduling has been set up for this group, uh, in league B, we have, uh, Guadalupe hosting Antigua and Barbuda, and then in the final group stage, it's going to be 
Cuba versus Guadeloupe, and then Antigua and Barbuda versus Barbados. And then the question now becomes, who do you think will automatically go to the Gold Cup and promote and promotion to League A? And who will go to the preliminaries? Because I think we could have a strange chain reaction in this group. I mean, I think it's going to be Cuba that's going to get a you know get the promotion, uh, and Guadeloupe making the preliminaries. So I guess uh, Antigua and Barbuda are done and dusted. Then are we saying that? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I okay. think they're. I think they're pretty much done, done and dusted there. We, I will hold you to that prediction, and we'll see what happens. As they always say, uh, they, that's why they play the games. Still at uh, League B, we go to Group B. Uh, Haiti right now uh, leading with 10 points on a plus 11. Guyana with 6 points with a minus 8. Bermuda with 4 points and a plus 1. Montserrat with 3 points on a minus 4. What do you see at this group? I mean, I, th- I think this one may be one of the more uh, cut and dry. I think Haiti's going to be, you know, they've already secured promotion. Um, I think there is a chance um, that Bermuda could leapfrog uh, Guyana. Um, but I think it's, like, that's really, the, those are the matchups that I'm looking at. I'm looking at the final standings is um, how uh, if Bermuda can jump Guyana. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, I've been following, you know, the scenarios as well. And I think for Bermuda, I mean, they really need two wins to take away that Gold Cup qualification spot from uh, Guyana. Uh, I think Haiti, I think they will advance and get that promotion like you just said. Um, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch what's going to happen. But, you know, if uh, Bermuda can find a way to sneak past Guyana, I, I think they could do it. And Bermuda, of course, is going to host Guyana on the 25th of March. So that should be interesting to see what's going to happen there. Group C, um, uh, I think it's cut and dry. Group C in League B, I mean, we have Nicaragua with 10 points. Trinidad and Tobago, 9 points. Bahamas has 4 points. St. Vincent Grenadines has a single point. Obviously, they're going to get relegated now to uh, League C, but I, I really find it difficult for Bahamas to do anything past these two. And the only thing you have to wonder is, out of Nicaragua and Trinidad and Tobago, who will keep their spots and will they jump each other for their respective spots? I mean, I think that's really – that it's really kind of seeding there. There's not a ton uh, really on the table for these teams in, in that group. Yeah. That's very true there. So we'll see what happens uh, moving on forward here uh, with Group D in League B. French Guyana, 10 points. Guatemala with 7. Dominican Republic with 4. Belize with 2. And as we've already said, they probably still have a – I think Belize has a slim, slim chance here. But what do you see from Group D in League B? I mean, Belize technically cannot make – they can't make the Gold Cup. They could at least make the qualifiers, uh, but I don't – I mean, they do they – play, they play Guatemala, and um, I, I just – I struggle to see them. They haven't really shown much of anything right now um, that makes me think that they can move up any further. Um, Dominica is especially in a place where they cannot be promoted, and they actually – recently or they're looking for additional national team players. Um, so I think they're kind of hurting from a squad perspective. Um, I would, l- I think there's a chance that Guatemala uh, leapfrogs a French Guyana. Um, selfishly, I would love French Guyana to make it up to Ligue A because um, there's always the opportunity for uh, the country I haven't been yet. And I'm always, when I'm looking at who I want to see promoted, I'm looking at what are the places I want to visit. Um, Selfishly, uh, but I mean they do. Put, they play Dominica uh, at home, so I think that should be an easy three points for them. Do you think the uh, Dominican Republic has a chance to upset maybe Guatemala? I think I think there's a def- I think there's definitely a chance for sure. Yeah, because I mean you know 
I mean, Dominican Republic, they're not going to play either French Guyana. I mean, they are going to play French Guyana first on the 24th, but they will, they've already played Guatemala uh, both of those games already. So uh, I, I just feel like – I don't know. I, I just feel like Dominican Republic, they're on a high uh, after what the under-20 yeah. group did. So, yeah, but you know, I, to me – I wonder yeah. – I, I, I also – I worry that maybe that – like that – that's what their focus is right now, um, is getting ready for uh, the Olympics. And right now, CONCACAF Nations League is not their primarily, primary focus at the moment. I see. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see what they'll do, obviously. And uh, I just feel like you never know. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll sneak in somehow and they'll find a way to uh, surprise everybody. Now, we're going into League A, ladies and gentlemen, and we start off with Group A. Jamaica, with three matches already played, they have five points. Mexico at the moment, four points. Suriname, with a single point, they're going to the preliminaries no matter what because they only have one match left. Before we even get into Mexico, what's your gut feeling about Jamaica? Do you think they could upset Mexico at the Azteca if they get a draw uh, I would have said they could have done that, but I think at the point where we know coming into this roster that uh, Andre Blake is out and along with Mikel Antonio is not called up, I think they're going to have a they're going to have a very tough time being able to do much of anything, missing you know who their best their best two players. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, Andre Blake, uh, I believe he suffered a groin pull. Uh, playing for the Union after, uh, well, actually before their CONCACAF Champions League uh, round of 16 second leg home match. So that's going to be tough for Jamaica to maybe, well, hopefully they'll still go to the Gold Cup, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't, that's going to be a tough, uh, that'd be tough sledding right there. But let me ask you this. Do you feel Mexico has taken a couple of steps back since, uh, being eliminated from the World Cup and group stage this past uh, winter? I mean, I don't know if I would say they've taken a couple steps back. I just, I mean, I think they went into the World Cup not in a good place. And, you know, we this has been a continuation of the fact that it's they're just not in a good place right now. We'll see what happens there, and uh, obviously. So we're definitely going to say this. I think we all know Jamaica, Mexico will advance to the Gold Cup and stay in Ligue Suriname will uh, acquire the last place position. They'll be in the preliminaries of the Gold Cup, but will be relegated to League B. Uh, League A, Group B, we have Panama with seven points. Costa Rica with two points. Excuse me, I'm sorry, three points. I looked at the goals for section by mistake. And Martinique with a single point. Panama, we already know they've been, they're going to qualify for the Gold Cup, and uh, it all depends on what uh, they do in their final group stage game against Costa Rica. But for Costa Rica, we all know they're going to be a tough team to play against. Does Martinique have an advantage right now to maybe have an upset for a win over Costa Rica? Because we all know a draw will not be enough. I think they definitely do. Um Costa Rica is a, an interesting team at the moment. They, uh, they're in a bit of transition. I mean, we saw, you know, if you go and look at that World Cup roster, I mean, you have a lot of guys on there, Brian Ruiz, uh, Joel Campbell. There's a lot of older players. And as a whole, they're just in the, in the midst of transition. And I know that, uh, you know, Suarez, the coach, had, you know, made some maybe questionable decisions in the lineup, you know, going those last games. So, I mean, I think – Costa Rica is definitely there for the taking, considering the fact that they're just in the midst of transition. I can see that. I understand. I mean, they have to start uh, shedding some of those older players. Obviously, Kaylor Navas retired from the national team, so uh, that's that's one I mean, side also of isn't, shedding those older players. Definitely not the first time he's retired from the national team as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, always the, there, there's always the possibility he comes back. There is. Very true. Very true. So we'll see what happens there. But um, obviously for Costa Rica, they're going to be up against it. Even though they're going to host Panama, 
in the final group stage game, if Martinique gets a win for their final match in the group stage, you know, Costa Rica is going to be basically all hands on deck uh, if they uh, do lose to Martinique in that uh, matchup on March 25th. We'll have to see what's going to happen there. But uh, for now, it's up in the air. Now, Group C in League A, I want to go to Curacao for a moment because it looks like they got their head coach back. And he is going to re- in, you know, revigorate the Curacao national team. Of course, Gustadink, Patrick Clivert. it looks like that situation just did not basically come to fruition. And they got their old uh, head coach back. What do you think he's going to do now? And do you think he has enough belief to reinvigorate his, this Curacao side to maybe throw a little bit of a wrench in the works for both Canada and Honduras? I mean, I definitely think there's enough to throw a wrench in. I think, unfortunately, the fact that Canada has two matches, um, you know, does play in their favor. I mean, there Curacao is a team that's all, that's been on the precipice for a while as far as, like, what, that next CONCACAF team to take that further step up. Um, and, I, I mean, I think there's a possibility of, of the coach coming back in and reinvigorating the team. I just think it's it's hard to look past games in hand on the scoreboard. No, I agree with you there. But if I can throw this at you, and it's probably a long shot, but if all three clubs – had six points each. How big is goal differential, you know, for all three sides, depending on who goes to the Gold Cup, who goes to the preliminaries, and, of course, who goes to the, the Nations League semis? I mean, we, we've seen goal – we've seen goal – I mean, goal difference is huge. I mean, I, we've seen that time and time again. So I think that uh, if everybody was on the same number of points, same number of games, like, goal difference would be a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Uh, big time there for both Curacao. Obviously, Canada uh, has to win to at least battle for that Nations League uh, semifinal spot with Honduras in that final group stage game, and we'll see what happens there. And finally, in League A, we got uh, El Salvador currently in first place with five points. Of course, the U.S. men's national team in second place with four points. Grenada with a single point. I think you and I are well aware of this. The United States will defeat Grenada on Friday night unless something really strange happens. But uh, that home match against El Salvador, I am a, a bit concerned, and I'll go with you why, because obviously I believe El Salvador's head coach, Hugo Perez, of course, a former American national team player, uh, has done well finding talent all over the U.S., has done very well making El Salvador competitive for the national team. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit worried about that final matchup in Orlando against El Salvador. I'm not necessarily just because, I mean, it's a home game. I mean, and we've seen the U.S. I mean, this is going to be a much different look uh, national team to what we saw throughout the qualifiers. Um, but they have been able to get these things done at home. Uh, I mean, El Salvador is going to be lining up, and, and Perez, they'll be you know, lining up to, to bunker in and, and keep it tight. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's enough guys on this roster um, that can make a difference. And I do think, you know, it's a shame that we're, that uh, Timothy Weah is going to be missing uh, due to a concussion he uh, suffered on the weekend. But I think uh, with Georgie Mihailovic coming in, I think it actually could help the national team because you're going to have a an El Salvador team that's going to sit deep and compact, and you're going to need someone that's going to be able to play some of those balls um, out of the midfield and, and unlock that defense. And I think Mihailovic uh, is the perfect player uh, to do that. Absolutely. I agree with you there. I think uh, his his uh, substitution into the roster, sadly, with Tim Way, and hopefully uh, he'll uh, recover from that. Uh, take your time, Timmy. Don't uh, rush back if you're not all the way 100%, of course. But uh, I agree with you. I think Jordy Mahalovich will fit very nicely and help out with that midfield. Um, 
Are you going with the rest of the guys to uh, Grenada? Yes. I understand they're going to take the trip. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm taking the trip. So all three of us will be on site uh, from World of CONCACAF. Um, Eric and Donald are actually – they have already made it down. They they made a stop over in St. Vincent um, for a few days, but I will be, I will be heading down uh, Wednesday morning for the game and looking forward to uh, – to catch in uh, the U.S. in person uh, in Grenada. Uh, I only hope is those guys don't punk your bed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it'll be uh, it'll be all good. Yeah, we're staying we're actually we're staying at a at an all inclusive resort. I think it's gonna be a, a few days of uh, drinks at the beach and then uh, cheering on the national team, um, and then maybe trying to catch catch a couple interviews with some people. Uh, around the island about uh, Grenada and their uh, national team. Absolutely, and that's going to be a very good competition, uh, taking on the Spice Boys first, I think we all know. I mean, basically just score as many goals as possible and don't allow any inside your net, and that's going to be the big one. All right, so um, let's just go ahead quickly to uh, where we are right now in League A. Who do you believe will qualify for the Gold Cup permanently, and who will be qualifying for the uh, preliminary round? Um, I mean, I I really wanted to. I said on the pod when we previewed uh, Nations League, I had Jamaica qualifying for the Gold Cup outright ahead of Mexico, um, in in qualifying for the Nations League final. But with that, um, with Blake and Antonio out, I just don't see that happening. I mean, I think that the four teams that are going to make the Nations League final and qualify outright are going to definitely be um, your four World Cup teams. Um, and I don't necessarily see any surprises um, with the uh, with the outright qualification teams as well for Gold Cup. All right. So we got ourselves what we wanted. We got ourselves a pretty good Nations League. Uh, obviously, this is the second edition of the Nations League. We'll have two more the next couple of years, one for a qualification for the Copa America through League A, and then, of course, I guess we're assuming it will be once again to qualify for both the Gold Cup and the Gold Cup preliminaries for the 2025 edition. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, any final thoughts uh, for this preview, Jonathan? Anything else you think... Uh, uh, is important for the view, to the listeners to know uh, what sh- we should be looking for. I mean, I I think the biggest thing that I would say is um, I know there's probably listening. There's a lot of people going to be focused on what the U.S. is doing, what Mexico and Canada are doing. But um, I would definitely uh, encourage everyone to to find a find a team or two and a couple matchups in in League B and League C and BA and uh, just check them out. I mean, it's pretty incredible that uh what CONCACAF has done even with Paramount the ability to watch a lot of these to watch most of these matches um so yeah find a couple games I mean Bermuda's always a, an entertaining team but I mean I just would challenge everybody to you know outside of the big teams find find one or two other ga- games happening in the uh in the lower leagues and uh give them a watch Absolutely, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to watch the majority of all these group stage games. CBS Sports Paramount Plus app will be the area and the app you need to watch any of these games, all these games. Of course, all USA games will be through TNT, uh, and of course, Mexico will probably be through TUDN, but uh, everyone else should be through the Paramount Plus app courtesy of CBS and CBS Sports. Uh, Jonathan, thank you very much. Safe travels to the Caribbean, and don't meet with the pirates. Thank you very much. And watch out for the redhead. We'll do. All right. Jonathan Slape of PodCookCalf. That is the World of CONCACAF podcast. Jonathan joining me tonight as we talk about uh, previewing this CONCACAF Nations League tournament, uh, finishing up the group stages, which will begin Thursday, this coming Thursday afternoon. So great for everybody. Thursday afternoon, some Nations League games. Thursday night, we finish off U.S. Open Cup first round matches at night. So it's going to be exciting. 
It's going to be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen there as we get ready. We get ready to talk about these CONCACAF Nations League games, and then we will get it on with CONCACAF Nations League. So as we are getting ready to move on to the next topic for tonight's show, uh, I will be joined very shortly by Michael Batista as we get ready to talk about the U.S. Open Cup as the first round is going to get underway. Now, before we even get to talking about the first round, we have to talk about, of course, what is the uh, 600-pound gorilla in the room. And that is, of course, the situation with the Rochester, New York FC team slash the Rochester Raging Rhinos of that situation involving the Pittsburgh Riverhounds where uh, they will now be starting in the third round and joining me uh, for that discussion, Michael Batista from the Cup.us as we talk about basically a disaster that is this entire situation with Rochester, New York. Uh, Michael, welcome back to the show. And uh, how are you tonight? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, A little tired, you know, trying to get all my energy ready for this week of Open Cup games, but it also uh, trying to recover from the Red Bull game. You know how it goes. Oh, I certainly do. That was a wild one at the end for the Red Bulls. Uh, For those wondering, Michael Batista will be covering the Manhattan SC FC Motown match that will be at the College of Mount St. Vincent over in the Bronx, and uh, that should be a good one. FC Motown, of course, NPSL champions of 2022. Yeah, uh, and Manhattan FC making their debut, uh, and like many other USL League 2 teams, they have the struggle of trying to find ways to make a roster for this tournament. Uh, With Motown, they're full strength, but it's it's anyone's game this early in the year. You never know what's going to happen. Very true. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. Now, let's go ahead and talk. I mean, obviously, this has been the talk of American soccer, lower-level soccer, of course, the Rochester, New York FC situation. Uh, I've documented it here on the show about, unfortunately, uh, they might – They it looked like they were going to be saved. Now they're not saved. Now they've dissolved, and it's caused a major ripple in the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. Because of that issue, what is the problem, and why is, was it a problem for Rochester not only to forfeit, but to allow Pittsburgh getting the bye into the third round? Well, the problem isn't that Rochester died. It's the problem is that it's when they died. Um, because we both know that lower league teams, especially in the third division, their lifespans could be 10 years, their lifespans could be two years. It's, it's very much a, a crapshoot. The problem is, is that Rochester, New York, was included on the MLS Next Pro uh, sanctioning documentation that they will be playing in 2023. And that was approved by MLS, you know, slash MLS Next Pro, however you want to do that, and U.S. Soccer. So they were set as far back as uh, December 2022. And the reason we had those deadlines is because of New Amsterdam FC and Chicago House AC holding up the entire tournament last year. So when this all happened, it seemed like, okay, they're in, they're in MLS Next Pro, it's all set, we're good. And then they were very iffy, they weren't making social media posts, and then what comes around is uh, two weeks before a tournament, they end up dying. That's bad for a multitude of reasons, one of which you can't replace them. You can't replace, there's no new pro team that could take their spot. And you can't round up two new amateur teams uh, in two weeks to fill in the new, newly needed first-round game. Uh, because of that, uh, their opponents, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, which are a very, very respectable 
you know, historic organization, they automatically advance to the third round. And we've, we've seen this happen in the FA Cup, I believe, when Bury uh, went into insolvency. You saw a team from, like, the lower divisions get a bye to the next round. The problem is, is that in the FA Cup, everyone gets money if they win a game. But in the U.S. Open Cup, uh, you only get money if you're the furthest reaching team from your division. So Pittsburgh Riverhounds, they haven't played a game. They're already in the third round. There's a chance that they now have a uh, they now have an unfair advantage in getting twenty five thousand dollars from U.S. Soccer. And look, they would use that money in a very good way. I'm sure, like they deserve that money. They deserve to play an MLS team just like everyone else. But it's the fact that they now have a leg up on on other people because of this situation that puts this sour taste in my mouth. And it's not just you. It's everyone else. It's also me. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm just disgusted that this situation took so long to get a result, whether it be positive or negative. And who do you put, who do you put blame on this whole situation? At this time, I don't know if I know which party has the most blame. I think there's three points of blame here. It is MLS slash MLS Next Pro uh, because they included them on their documentation as far back as last year when they probably knew something wasn't right. And they probably said to themselves, oh, we could deal with this. And if they don't play, they don't play, which is just selfish. Uh, that's selfish because they applied for sanctioning with them on there. And it almost feels like they know they can get away with it. And I put some blame on that. The other one is U.S. soccer because U.S. soccer – they had this whole fit with Nisa, and it, justifiably so, last year with the whole uh, pizza gates and teams not uh, fulfilling their obligations. And uh, we, we we understood that yeah, they were annoyed, and they had to put down their their foot and say, okay, these are the rules now. But apparently they're not. It's the rules for the and not, the rules for the and not for me. I'm annoyed at them for letting this happen under their noses, and also. Not having a backup plan, like if you see this happening back in January, you go to MLS and say, hey, they're out. They're done. Uh, so, yeah, we could have done that. And the third one is Rochester, New York itself. Um, the Dor- um, I believe the owners were the Dorkins, Dorkins. Right? Yeah. Yep, yep. So, I, look, I talked to them, and I'm not sure if you ever did. I got a chance to talk I to have. them one-on-one. With uh, when I went up to the round three match against with Motown, uh, they didn't know who I was. But like they were very, even though they didn't know who I was, like they were as open to me as they would be uh, any major news outlet. They were explaining to me like budgeting. They were explaining to me like their plans. And when you see the when you saw the crowd come out for that game, and I saw some of the MLS Next Pro games too. Uh, or on on recording, you know, on uh, online, I saw the crowds of those games, and they were good crowds. And it seemed like stuff on the surface was working. And look, maybe I'm just a sucker, but like they they lured me in. I had my doubts, but they were. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe this could work. Once it started to not work, they they kind of just. It felt like they just left everything on the table, and they said, "It's your problem now," because. We saw the front office pretty much get deserted for two, for like a month and a half, two months. And they were just saying, yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. MLS is your problem now. Uh, we want you to buy us out because we don't want to do this. And I'm like, so why did you get in this? I mean, maybe that's a whole, that, maybe that's a whole indictment of the MLS Next Pro system as it goes for independent teams. But I, I don't know. So for right now, I'm going to put some blame on them. It's probably no fact all three of the parties here deserve blame. Maybe some less than others, but right now I'm going to put it at like 33% each. Yeah, I would go along with that, I, and I agree with you. I think U.S. Soccer, or at least the Open Cup Committee, should have put their foot down to tell the Dworkins, listen, until you get your ownership uh, financial situations cleared – let us remove you from the Open Cup for this year and just give another uh, first-round match to a MPSL team, 
uh, facing off against a USL League Two team, them advance into the second round against Pittsburgh, and I think that would have been just fine. I, I don't see, a, you know, I, I think that'd be the fairest way to do things if Rochester had an issue with their uh, finances. The worst part is, is that um, I think according to the Cup.us, our rankings, um, the next USL League Two team would have been Western Mass Pioneers, and as of now, there's like nothing in New England in terms of amateur teams. It, it, there's Hartford, there's Hartford City, but like between you and I, Hartford and Connecticut are are more are sometimes more New York than they are New England. Um, but very true, very true. With, with uh with Western Mass, they would have been the next USL League Two team in. I would have to look at my rankings for NPSL, but that would have been perfect because you would have had a Northeast team right there. Uh, and there could have been just some shuffling around, got some stuff going, but it would have worked out perfectly. Um, and it stinks that it could, they didn't have the foresight, the guts, or the, I, I don't know, they, did not, they didn't follow through on it. And it's, it's a shame. And we both know that U.S. soccer has done it in the past. They, were, they seemed to do it after the NISA thing, and they did it in 2013 with the Cosmos, when the Cosmos joined the NASL late, and they go, yeah, your season in the middle. You're starting your season with the or a fall NASL season. You're not in the Open Cup. Like that's that's that. And I don't know. It's just I don't understand why they're going to do it to stuff like NASL and NISA. But you're not going to go after MLS. What are you saying here? Uh, that uh, both uh, hands are tied together. Yeah, pretty much. It looks like it. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm happy we have MLS, but I mean, you know, I, I, I just feel like Major League Soccer getting involved in the lower levels like this is just not the way to go. I mean, look, I won't get into the old, the old arguments of what we always talk about, certain people talk about. You know what I'm talking about, promotion relegation. I just feel like Major League Soccer is the top division. I understand that USL does not want those MLS2 teams involved in their leagues anymore. So what they should have done, MLS, just have a reserve league with all the teams facing each other on the schedule, and then that's it. That's what they should have done. And now, MLS Pro Next, or MLS Next Pro, they just basically allowed Rochester, New York FC, slash the rhinos to just basically disintegrate right in front of their faces. I also think it's interesting that you, there's a place in the lower levels for something outside the USL system, because there are teams that can't join USL because of territory rights or because of like a bunch of other factors. And their choices are NISA or nothing. And, we both know that NISA is not great. Uh, it's got plenty of problems. And if you want to join NISA, go ahead. But, you know, there's there are justifiable reasons to not join NISA. So when you see something like MLS Next Pro, okay, what are your benefits here? Well, you're going to play against only academy talents, boo. But uh, you're going to be in the MLS umbrella, which is kind of appealing. I can't say it's not. And there was a time where I heard that, you were going to have teams like San Diego, like Loyal, join that before they join MLS. Uh, there was a whole discussion about that. And I I almost felt like you were going to get like 10 teams joined US, uh, MLS Next Pro uh, with only three of them realistically are becoming MLS teams, but you're not going to tell the other seven that. It's, it's, it's a dirty, almost like cynical look at it, but I understand what they were going for. Like there are teams that could be pro in this country that if they're not going to go to USL, yeah, you might as well take them and see what happens. Let me ask you this. And, you know, I find it ridiculous that we are going to have three different leagues in, in one division, like USL league one, NISA and the MLS next pro. Do you think it's time for us soccer to create a fourth professional division and move back both USL League 2 PSL? You mean move them to like Division 5? Exactly. 
I mean, I, I'm not sure because I feel as though there is a weird area where you don't see teams jumping from MPSL or USL League Two into the pro- into the promotional sphere uh, a lot. But mm-hmm. I don't think there needs to be a fourth division per se. The third division needs to be cleaned up because uh, third division right now is stupid. Um, you have every you have. Not even, I'm not gonna get into the MLS Next Pro arguments right now because like it's just it's a whole other thing. But look at NISA, and look at um, and you look at USL League One. Why are those leagues trying to be coast to coast? Why are they trying to overexpand themselves? I don't. You do the pro the the pro standards that you just need to you don't need to be in certain number of time zones. For that league, for that division, that's only in Division Two and Division One. But you have these stupid leagues who say we're going to start right away and we're going to go uh, crazy. We're going to have a team in California. We're going to have a team in Chattanooga. We're going to have a team in New York. I'm like, no, you idiots! Just limit your travel and focus on the product and develop rivalries. But it's not how it's working. So it's I would rather see Division Three become more regional instead of national. Instead of having a Division Four which would just be – I feel like Division 4 would be more overkill. Having Region 3 be culled down and made into more a regional, like, less uh, less outstretched uh, set of circumstances, it would be far better for everybody. Mm-hmm. It would it'd be far better for the players, for the leagues, for the, like, finances. Um, and I don't know how to fix MLS Next Pro. It's just – it should be a thing outside the pyramid, be a reserve league, yeah, but, like, it shouldn't be third division. Or it should be third division, I guess, but, like, in name only, like, as an addendum to the pyramid. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens down the road, but hopefully, uh, Michael, we're going to have a great Open Cup tournament this year, and uh, hopefully it'll be a lot better than last year's. Not saying last year's was terrible, but, you know, it was exciting and fun, and I'm just hoping we're going to have a lot of fun again uh, in 2023. So thank you for coming on tonight. I'll see you again soon at Red Bull Arena and uh, take care, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a good night. Michael Batista from the Cup.us covering the U.S. Open Cup. As uh, there you have it, uh, more problems coming in and not knowing what to do about it. And it's just a big, big mess that really should never have happened. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quickly, it's time for the Red Bull Review uh, segment as the New York Rebels on a comeback 2-1 victory over the Columbus Crew. Um, a silly goal conceded by the Red Bulls, especially by Carlos Coronel, well off his line, all the way at the top of his area. Don't know why he was all the way up there, but allowed Matan to convert his chance easily to make it 1-0, and unfortunately... That's that's what happens when you get a brain fart. But other than that, uh, the Red Bulls still stuck to their game plan, came back, got some big goals, huge goals. Obviously, a great run by Corey Burke to get to the net, makes a quick shot, solid save by Eloy Room, but the rebound goes right to Lukinas, and he converts his first of the season to make it 1-1. And then the one and only, the Belgian international striker, the one that you wanted to see come over, Dante Von Zier. What a strike that was, a low half volley, when John Tolkien looped the ball from the far side to the near, perfectly placed for Von Zier, and he smashes that ball low and inside the near post, beating Eloy Room 2-1, and the Red Bulls would hold on and get the full three points. And they go from three matches winless to now a three-match unbeaten streak. And it's five points to the good for the New York Red Bulls. Um, solid match. I-, I think outside of the uh, one error by Coronel, I thought the Red Bulls played strong. I thought they played very simple stuff. And they found a way to go out there and to get the full three points. Probably should have had more than two goals, but you know what? 
Look, Eloy Room has been a damn good goalkeeper for the Columbus crew ever since they scouted him at the CONCACAF Gold Cup several tournaments ago, uh, doing very well for Curaçao, putting them on a trajectory into the quarterfinals and, you know, falling to the U.S. They were the darlings of the tournament. And look, there's, I mean, in the semifinals, I should say, they were the darlings of the tournament. And Eloy Room just proved to, you know, show his worth to the scouts in Columbus. They, they signed him, transferred him over, and he's been strong in goal for the Columbus crew and finally got them that MLS Cup championship. So nothing more you can say or do. It's just a wonderful uh, feeling for Eloy Room to do something well, but it was even a better feeling as Dante Von Zier earns his very first MLS goal, celebrated in front of the crowd, right in front of the South Ward, and the New York Red Bulls are now in the win column for the first in four matches. So we'll see what they can do to continue on with that. They've only conceded a goal in three of their first four matches, two in the run of play, one by penalty, but now hopefully the New York Rebels will finally, which they got their uh, goal-scoring account open, continue on, and do something great. Also, uh, no Lewis Morgan in the match, apparently a hip flexor uh, injury, not too serious, and he'll be right as rain for this upcoming road match at Charlotte FC. So we'll see what happens for the New York Red Bulls as they get ready for their next week on the road at the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Jonathan Slate from PodCacaf, the World of CONCACAF podcast, and Michael Batista from TheCup.us. My name's Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Don't forget this coming Friday at 8 o'clock Eastern, the United States will be in Grenada for their CONCACAF Nations League group stage match, their fifth of six. And then they'll be post-match at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. And then, of course, on Monday, next Monday on the 27th, that will also be CONCACAF Nations League USA hosting El Salvador in Orlando Explora Stadium. I'll be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. And post-match once again here on the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. And then on the 28th, U.S. Open Cup first round review and then on Wednesday in the afternoon I'll just do a quick little recap of the New York Red Bulls road match at Charlotte FC my name is Daniel Feuerstein thank you very much for listening to me tonight and as always please enjoy your football with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky <gasps> No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.